Hello, and welcome to episode 55 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First up, a warm welcome to Heather B. to The Modern Manager community. If you work for a nonprofit or government agency, please email me for a special discount code, which is what Heather did. I'll mention a bit more about the community after the interview, so stay tuned for that if you are curious about what it is. But for now, I really need your input. I would like to help you invest in your growth and your team in even deeper ways than what we can do with this podcast. So I am thinking about creating a course. But before I do, I want to make sure that it addresses your most pressing management needs. So can you take two minutes and go to mamieks.com slash new course and tell me, when it comes to being a manager, what's your single biggest challenge or frustration? I promise you it will only take two minutes and I really appreciate your input. Now let's get to today's guest. Today I talk with Jennifer Damata. Jennifer is the owner and president of Damata Consulting LLC, where she takes her 20 plus years of triple digit growth success and transforms it to easily digestible strategies and plans for clients, particularly in the luxury direct to consumer market. Jennifer speaks on women leadership and has developed a method which she calls six steps to becoming your own leadership coach, a proven method of developing your leadership skills for personal success. And that's what Jennifer and I talk about today. We walk through her six-step process, and we get into a few of those steps in more detail and go into how you can apply the process to better understand yourself and therefore take steps to enhance your management and leadership capabilities. Now here's our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Jennifer, it is really a pleasure to have you today, especially because we're, it's almost like flipping the context here because so much of what I talk about on this show is how to be a good manager to other people. And today we're going to talk about how to be a good coach and a manager for yourself. So this should be a really fun episode, at least I think so. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. So excited. Can't wait to get started. So we were just chatting before the the air went on and you were telling me about how you've developed this new program to help managers coach themselves. Can you, you know, give us the frame of, of what that is and why you're developing this? Yeah, so a little bit about my background. So I'm Jennifer Damata and I currently do a series of coaching plus digital strategy with a a number of different clients in the brand and retail industry. But prior to that, I spent uh, 15 years leading e-commerce and omni-channel departments across a variety of retailers and brands. And one of the things I learned very quickly was that people are very eager to develop themselves. They're very eager to be developed into a great leader. They're very eager to be developed into a great people manager. And there's not necessarily enough structured or formal resources across several of the companies that I work for. So I took on that effort with my teams. And while I enjoyed it, it gets difficult to do if you have a large team, right? If you have 50 people or 60 people, you have to start designing methods. And I had also gone through my own development earlier in my career with an executive coach. I was lucky enough for a company to say, we love you. We think that you're just 
the perfect person. We just want you to develop some of your leadership skills and we want to give you an executive coach. So I had that early in my career. I learned some of the things through that process and through being coached myself and then applied those things at teams for 10 years post that experience. And I honed in on that method. And so now I speak about what you had just talked about is how do you develop yourself, especially in this state where there's two things going on. There's a lot less leadership development going on inside of companies right now, as well as there's a lot of individuals who actually like this self-sufficient concept of developing themselves. There's a lot of self-sufficiency right now. And so I've developed a become your own leadership coach. I have six steps. I've actually gone through it myself. I have a few individuals that I coach right now who are going through it as well. And I love presenting this because it gives complete and utter clarity as to exactly what to do and how long each of these steps take. And then you can really see how you're progressing through each of these steps. I like this idea that there's a process, right? Because coaching yourself, at least in my experience, is it's actually really hard. Like as much as I want to be better and learn and grow, it's really hard to be that self-reflective and to kind of know where your weak spots are and know how to change them and grow when you do discover a weak spot. So I like that there's a process. It sounds like it actually is much easier than maybe I've experienced in the past. So can you give us an overview of the six steps and then maybe we'll dig into a couple different ones? Yeah, sure. So you are right. It, it's tough. And that's why I have quite a few clients that reach out to me and I coach anywhere from their managers to their directors to their VPs. I also coach CEOs and I use this process if they're willing to pay for it, but this is also a process you can do on your own. So the first step, and this is what you alluded to, is to assess yourself. And I have four different tests I personally like in assessing yourself. You really do have to become self-aware. You have to understand who you are, what your strengths are, where you don't necessarily have strengths, where you're not going to push against personality boundaries because you're, you are who you are. And really starting to recognize that means you can leverage who you are for the betterment of everyone else. So that's step one, is getting the awareness through a series of four tests I've taken. I think they're a nice blend. They give you a nice balance. Then the next step is to develop your vision. And what I usually start with is who have you seen that are your favorite leaders and what are their top qualities? Because that's going to tell me on some level what you tend to lean into. And great leaders come in all shapes and sizes, all types of qualities, all types of strength attributes. There is not one form fit for a great leader. So it's really important to recognize what you see as a great leadership because you're more likely to lean into that. Then the third step is to design SMART goals. And so generally speaking, I design, and what I mean by SMART goals, if you know the acronym is a specific and measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And so I work with, by the way, I work with educating what a SMART goal is. And then we design SMART goals for the year and we check in with those on those every single month. And it, this is going to take self-discipline, obviously, if you're doing it yourself. But we all know that you are much more likely to achieve your goals if you write down your goals and if they're very specific. So that's step three. 
Step four is to find an accountability partner if you can. That is potentially what people might find as the hardest. However, I have some guidelines and I think everyone at this point in time could probably find someone who would be a great accountability partner for them. The biggest guideline is to find someone who's honest to you, right? Doesn't just lift you up, doesn't just say you're doing great, but is very honest with you and gives you the positives and the negatives so that you can make sure that you're on the right path and that you have gone in the right direction that you have stated inside your SMART goals and that you're staying on time. And the fifth step is to reflect and reward. I think we've all seen this all too often is we focus on the negatives and not enough on the positives. I'm a big fan of focusing on, okay, what have you done really well? Reflect on that because you are more likely to continue. You're more likely to be motivated to keep developing yourself if you really reflect on the things that you're doing well. And then last but not least is to become a champion to other women. And there's a couple of reasons why that's important. First of all, it's, it's the whole pay it forward concept. But secondly, there's something about you championing other, and sorry, not just other women, but anyone, you championing somebody else that makes you feel more accountable to your own development. So those are the six steps at a very high level. That sounds so much easier than I think reality is. So let's dig in. <laughs> let's dig into some of these. So a little true. Bit. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with step one. You talked about you know, understanding your own personality and figuring out how to leverage those strengths. It was so interesting because I do personality work with my clients as well. And I, you know, I find that like, there are some things that people feel like, oh, I need to change this. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a really big picture thinker and I really don't like the details, but I realize that in my job, I have to be able to like be more detail oriented with my team members. And there's always this tension between what the job requires, what your team members require of you and what feels most natural and comfortable. How do you work through some of those tensions between what surfaces in the assessments and what kind of feels most natural and what people really need to be able to do to be successful? Yeah, that's the ultimate balance, right? But a lot of people tend to be imbalanced in doing what everyone else wants and not enough of what they feel that they need. And at the end of the day, they're exhausted. For example, I am generally an introvert, but I have found the times where I need to be extroverted. And I am extroverted at those times, but I also make sure I have time during the day where I can be the introvert. Because otherwise, I will be up at one in the morning thinking and thinking and thinking <laughs> and doing my introversion at one in the morning, which is definitely what I do not want to do. So the tests I recommend in essence are the tests everybody's heard of, but blending them together is the key. And I won't go into the detail of that in this podcast, but what I like to do is pull together your strengths finder, which I believe a lot of people know, but if you don't, it's on Gallup. It's from strengths finder, the book. And when you take the test, there's, I believe 34 strengths. You take the test, you can get top five. And I, think it's only $20. It's a pretty cheap test. And the neat thing is, is that you get your top five strengths. And again, it creates an awareness of, oh, that's who I am. And then on top of that, inside of the strengths test, it kind of, it tells you when you're using those strengths to the positive and when you're using those strengths to the negative. 
Because my belief is, and I've seen this in a lot of places, is your biggest strength is also your biggest weakness. It just depends on how you use it. So there's some great things in learning what your strengths are and when you're using it and abusing it. One of the other tests is uh, Myers-Briggs. Because realizing or reminding yourself, if you're already self-aware of who you are, is really important because you really cannot push those boundaries. And allowing people to know that, so maybe being a little bit more transparent about that, helps people go, oh, I, I now understand that person a little bit more. I did Strength Fighter in quite a few teams in my past, and they would put their top five strengths on their cube or outside their office or whatever they had so that when individuals came up to them and we would talk about them, of course, but they would be reminded of this individual's strengths as well as their Myers-Briggs. And then they knew how to handle each other because that's important. If you want somebody to know how to handle you, you have to kind of help them understand who you are. And that means you have to know who you are yourself. I love doing this work with teams for that exact reason, that it's so helpful for a manager to understand who they are and how they come to the work and how they come to the team, but for the entire team to know those kinds of details about each other is really helpful for communication. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, 100%. Okay, let's talk about step two. So visioning and reflecting on leaders that you admire. So I find that when I do this kind of reflection, I tend to pick people who either are very similar to me or people who are really different from me. Is that something that you've noticed? I have. It depends on who that person is. And, you know, I have seen the personality types that tend to lean into individuals that are more like them. And that's okay, because what's going to balance out with the sparkles is not going too far and abusing your strength. So that, that's perfectly fine. What I do make sure that we talk about is that they have a full understanding of that individual. So like they can't pick out whoever, Abraham Lincoln. They, they have to pick out someone that they've actually worked with and they feel that they've seen this person in action. They have great leadership. And then what are those attributes that they really like about that leader? So we're not just picking a random person out. And we write those attributes down. And then we pick off and we say, okay, what are the attributes you would like to carry over to your own leadership development and start to drive an, a very aspirational vision? When I ask people to do a vision, I say, think really big. Don't think small. This is something to carry through for probably the next five to 10 years. This is something to always aspire to. If you think you can achieve this by the end of the year or in the next 12 months, it's not big enough. And so this is where I do spend a lot of time with the clients I have on getting bigger in their thinking when it comes to what is the type of leader they see themselves being in the future. Can you give some examples of the attributes that people might aspire to when they look at, at someone? Like, How do you pull out what those attributes are when you're thinking about someone that you want to be more like? Well, here's the attributes I hear in commonality, which I think are great. Trust, that's a big one. So if you are a great leader, you must be trusted. Now, we're gonna go, when you go into the SMART goals, we have to define what that means specifically, but the vision's not for that. The vision's to think aspirationally. So trust is a big one. 
Being a great listener comes up quite a bit. Being strategic comes up a lot. And I think humility comes up sometimes. I'd love to see that come up a lot more. Last but not least, courage. Courage has gotten to be a little bit more of a common attribute recently. People are, you know, reading more books, Brené Brown, and, and there's more books out there about being courageous in your leadership so that we can start to make change happen across private, private sectors. I love, I love courage and humility in particular. And like the two of those together is also an interesting combination, which we're not going to talk about now. But I do want to talk about how do you translate those attributes then into SMART goals? So kind of what might a SMART goal for something like courage look like for the year? Yeah. So again, SMART goals means that you are defining something that's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So they are long. They are long statements because you have to fit every single thing in there. For example, you know, a SMART goal I had last year was my goal is to improve my listening skills by repeating back what someone said in summary each time I'm in a one-on-one or a meeting where I can do this exercise. I do this to focus on building relationships as a characteristic of great leadership. I will focus on this for 60 days and I will document the examples each week and reassess at the end of 60 days. So that was my SMART goal, one of my SMART goals for last year for myself. And that's very long, but again, it, it includes all of those characteristics. And so I give that as an example. And then I have individuals write down their SMART goals. And we usually have to work through them two or three times because I'll make sure that they have all of those attributes in there. Yeah, that was quite a mouthful. I want to pull that apart for a sec. So it sounds like in your SMART goal, you listed the activity that you wanted to do and when you were going to do it and how you were going to keep track of it. Did I hear that right? Correct. And then the timing. Yes. So how did you know what you wanted to do? Like, how did you know that you were going to use the approach of reflecting back what you had heard as, as a form to get better at listening? Yeah, great question. So it all comes back to... Well, I assessed myself through the tests that I took. I also have been leading quite a while. And one of the tests I've taken three times now is a leadership 360, where I am able to get this great feedback. And a leadership 360 means you're getting feedback from multiple angles. You're getting feedback from your boss, you're getting feedback from peers, and you're getting feedback from your direct reports. And so when I get that feedback, plus I also you know, I've learned to be more self-aware. I feel like that's one of the most important things. If you want to be a great leader, if you want to change, if you want to grow, you have to start with self-awareness. And I've gotten better at this listening, especially because I put the SMART goal. I actually had somebody that I coached last week that I didn't even prompt to this, but he said, you're such a good listener. How do you do it? And I thought, yes, that's a validation. And I've been working on this. And so I take the assessments, I take what I hear from others, which is super important to take that feedback. I also know this is nothing pushing against my personality. I can definitely listen regardless of who I am. I should listen regardless of who I am. Then it's part of my vision. My vision is to be a very um, passionate and motivational leader. 
And I think in order to do that and have the influence, I have to be a good listener. This all came from the first two steps to get me to that SMART goal. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, if you had a goal that you weren't really sure how to achieve, like if let's say that one of my goals might be something around building trust with my team members, I'm like, eh, like, does that mean I should do a trust building activity? Does that mean like I should ask them about their family life? Like, what do I do? Are there ways or kind of suggested approaches to figure out what are those steps you can take to craft your goals into actions that you can follow through on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, there's obviously a number of different resources out there that helps you craft a SMART goal. The other thing is you can skip to find an accountability partner and you could say, listen, I need some help in designing a goal and how I would validate that I've achieved that goal. Can you help me with this? So what are the signals of trust? And when you get a couple people in a room, I'm, I'm sure you can brainstorm what those signals look like and then how to achieve trust. Oh, that's great. Let's talk more about this accountability partner. Does it have to be someone who knows you in a work context? Could it also be a family member or a close friend? Or do you suggest it not be someone in the work context? What, what are your thoughts? So if you've designed your goals are to develop as a leader in a professional environment, which I think we all know will also help you in your personal environment. But if you're really saying, listen, from a professional point of view, I'd like to improve my leadership or managerial skills, then I would suggest choosing someone that understands your work environment and understands who you are in the work environment. So you could choose a friend or a family member. First of all, they have to be objective. That is a critical component. You cannot pick somebody who's just going to lift you up. You can pick those people for the motivation you need to keep going. That's perfectly fine. But as an accountability partner, you must find somebody who's going to be very much holding you accountable to your goals. And if you don't achieve your goals, you have to find somebody that's going to be truthful to you, basically brutally honest, and make sure that they can do that. Family and friends, I don't often find can do that, but everyone's got a LinkedIn network at this point in time. Hopefully, you've got some peers or partners. Peers are great. In one of my favorite books, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by is it Peter Lencioni. Hope I don't get that wrong. <laughs> the, he, it's one of my favorite books of all time, but he talks about the ultimate accountability is peer accountability. And it's true. It's hardest for you to get your peers on board. So it may be that one of the best ways to get an accountability partner is to find a peer who's willing to be an accountability partner. Now, some steps in that are you have to be clear to the accountability partner with what you need. And that's why I started with SMART goals before finding an accountability partner, because those SMART goals will help that accountability partner know exactly how they can help you. Make sure you find someone you respect, obviously, because if they say something that you don't like, at least you can respect it. Uh, and they should be saying stuff along the lines that maybe you don't like if, you don't, if you're not hitting your goals, and that's okay. And agree on the consequences. So if they're, what, what's the consequence to not hitting goals? 
And then I would, if it's new to you to have an accountability partner, I would design a trial period for both sides because you're walking into something that's pretty serious for you. You're very adamant about, you know, making sure you're coaching yourself and you don't want to say, let's do this for a year. You probably want to start with, let's do this for 60 days. Let's reassess and make sure things are going well. And if they're going well, you're, you're more than likely to keep going. Those are such good steps and advice. And I'm wondering about the format of the accountability relationship, meaning do you suggest that people set up you know, a call for 15 minutes every other week or that the relationship mostly takes place over email or that you have coffee with this person once a month? Kind of, are there different ways or recommended ways to create that relationship in the, what, kind of what you're both agreeing to do? Yeah, and I want to make one more statement on accountability partners. So I did see a stat. This is so interesting, and I know everyone probably knows this generally. But when you have an idea or a goal, just having the idea or the goal is you're 10% likely to achieve it. When you plan how you're going to do it, which is the SMART goals, you're 50% likely to achieve it. But when you have an accountability to someone else, like an accountability partner, you're 95% likely to achieve your goal, which is super interesting. So going back to the timing and, and how often, it really has to make sense for you. I personally, so there's a lot of people that like a lot of different communication methods. I am a personal fan of FaceTime. I'm not, it's not video, it's literally making the time and the reason I am is because I don't, we see people all the time in meetings or on phone calls who are also looking at their computer and doing other things. If this is important enough to you, you're in FaceTime, you, are, you do not have your laptop up, you are specifically spending time on your leadership development. And that often means you gotta sit down and have some FaceTime with your accountability partner. Once a month is good but you are accountable to tracking the progress that you're making through that month. All right. There's so much more. I know we didn't even get through all the steps and, you know, I guess it's pretty typical to shortchange the celebration, which we all tend to do anyway. So unfortunately we'll have, we'll have to move on. But before we wrap up, can you tell us about one of the rock star managers that you had the privilege and honor and benefit of working with and for, and what made him or her so great? Yeah, and I've had quite a few. I've been pretty lucky, not lucky. I've also had leaders and managers I don't like, but the one that really sticks out for me is a CIO I report to at Sports Authority. Um, she was really amazing, and I, I have to go back to those attributes that we talked about. She was extremely humble. She was very trusting. She was great at communication. Her verbal communication was outstanding. And it, it really made me want to speak that way. I think we all love, whether you love Obama or not, you could, everyone could probably agree. Obama is an excellent speaker. He's very eloquent. She was as well. And it just, it, it's very motivating. I really enjoyed listening to her. And she was always spot on. She was a very high level thinker. And I think last but not least, and we didn't even bring this up, was she empowered me. And that felt great. And I have to say, I love empowerment as well. I know how good it feels to be empowered. It's a super important uh, leadership characteristic. 
for anyone is to find a way to empower others. And so, and just a little tip there, what I often say when, when people are looking to be better at empowering others is most often I see those individuals focusing on how to get something done rather than what the result looks like. And when you say, this is the result we're going for and get the buy-in on that, and then you let individuals find their own how to get that thing done, people love that. They love being empowered to get to the end result. So um, that is a, probably one of the biggest reasons why I really enjoyed her. Awesome, she sounds awesome and like a, a wonderful role model. So last thing, where can people learn more about you, Jennifer, and the work that you do? Where can, where should people go? Yeah, so they could go to my website, www.dimottaconsulting.com. You can also reach out to me at jennifer at Demata, again, D-I-M-O-T-T-A consulting.com. You can go to LinkedIn and find me, or you can call me at 703-570-5545. I'm available in any of those communication paths. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for this deep dive into all of the steps, and people should find your forthcoming book, and they can learn even more about it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on here. I hope you are as excited as I am to try coaching yourself or maybe apply some of these approaches to working with your team members. Jennifer has offered a discount on her coaching assessment to members of the Modern Manager community. If you are not quite sure what the community is, I will tell you right now. It is a host of supports to help you become an even better manager. Starting at only $2 a month, you can get access to the community forum where you can post questions and respond to each other so that we can be a learning community together. Additional levels of membership include episode guides to help you implement the learnings, guest bonuses like Jennifer's discount on the assessment, group coaching calls, and more. And if you join now before June 30th, 2019, you get two additional gifts, which you can learn more about and you can join at mamieks.com slash join. That is M-A-M-I-E-K-S as in Stuart, dot com slash join. That link and all the links we've mentioned, including the new course link, are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is also on my website at mamieks.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.